Welcome to Osnap, candid conversations about business and life with your hosts Amy and Rosie, owners of Snap, a community, education and inspiration forum for photographers and creatives. Money, 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 money. I love money. <laughs> money makes the world go round. It does. And it makes you happy. It does. Don't, don't lie to yourself. Um, in case you haven't guessed. <laughs> money, money, money. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the title of this podcast. Yep. And we're going to be talking about money, um, which loads of people struggle to talk about. Mm. Um, there's a lot of shame and emotion around money. Um, and um, I have actively been using my platforms to try and change that. Um, you can't see, but I'm doing like a hulk. <laughs> I keep forgetting how very much this is an audio platform. Yeah, <laughs> Rosie keeps on doing like actions <laughs> over in the corner. <laughs> you can tell she's a performer. <laughs> um, yeah, money. Um, for those of you who follow me or have been following me for a while, you will know my journey with money. Um, you will know that I am a six-figure business owner. Um, something I never thought I would achieve. If you told me that five years ago, I would have laughed at you. Um, and it's been a massive learning curve. Um, so I do actively talk about this mm. because um, it can go one of two ways, can't it? The conversations around money. It can be like too positive <laughs> and dismissive. Um, How do you mean? In the sense that like... If you just think positive all the time, um, or you know, if it's if 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 the duality of it isn't talked about in the same space, Mm. then it can be quite isolating for people. It can make people feel bad. Yeah, because if you don't know how to get to that positive, yeah, and ultimately that's their responsibility because it's up to you to develop a positive mindset around money. Um, and to realise that it's not your enemy. Um, it's a tool. It has no bearing on your self-worth. Um, which is really fucking hard. <laughs> kind of is. Um, and it's a constant... Um, it's a constant body of work. Like, yeah. you don't start earning money and then it, all of your issues around money go away. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people have just as much fear of having money as they do of not having Ooh. money I know that like I've been going through this process over the last like couple of months because I'm like yes I'm six figures but I've really like burnt myself out <laughs> and I hate it <laughs> so um I don't want this much responsibility <laughs> yeah so Amy and I are in vastly different ways yeah we're like polar polar ends of the scale and <laughs> um, I have nothing at the moment if I'm being brutally honest yeah good to be honest um and that that is something that is making me feel extremely uncomfortable um because i've never been in this position before um but we were talking and um amy was like right we're gonna we're gonna get all of your outgoing like like 
all in a list we're going to work out how much you need and we're going to get this like action plan because I'm very lucky to have a friend like Amy who can make me do these things <laughs> while I'm like sobbing um, so <laughs> we were putting it all down and we came up with a figure and Amy was like oh my god I wish I only had to earn that much a month and I was like what this feels like an insane amount of money to me but it just goes kind of yeah. to show that it doesn't matter how much you earn you still have the same kind of Oh yeah, it's it's a core belief issue. Yeah. It's not, it's not something. It doesn't matter how much money you have. That core belief doesn't change mm. unless you do work on it. Um, yeah, because otherwise, no matter how much money you earn, it's never going to be enough. Yeah, and and the relationship evolves. So you know, my backstory. I think we touched on it before, but you know, my business didn't do well for like the first eight years of his existence. Um, yeah, it was always hand to mouth. It was like every month it was like, how am I going to pay the bills this month? Um, saying yes to jobs that I ultimately didn't want to do because I needed the income. Mm. Um, and I was in a relationship at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like a little bit of a fallback because he had an income. So you had a buffer. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it's never really that bad. Like, and I also like had... a safety net. Yeah, I also had another business for a long time, so I was a dog walker, and I did kind of I like... I didn't know that. What? Did I you not know? know I had a dog walking business no, for like four years, no. alongside my photography. I did not know that. Yeah, I had a dog walking business, and everyone goes, oh, that must have been so nice. And I was like, it's mm. fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love dogs. I really love dogs. And you love walking, but I can imagine that... Do, Doing it in <laughs> South London. <laughs> and I was popular, because... Um, I had the big gun dog breeds, so right. I just had lots of Vizslas and Labradors, <laughs> um, and Collies, all the dogs with like the most complex training yeah. issues who should not have been in the homes <laughs> that they were in. And then it was South London, so it's like you've got like five big dogs, you're taking them on a walk. People hated me. I can imagine um, you were the bane of many a motorist. Yeah, and there was just so much drama and like my car was always disgusting and most of it was sitting in traffic going from like house to house to pick oh. up dogs and it was really lonely and it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. But yeah, I loved the dogs, I just didn't love the job. Yeah. Um, but it paid me I, a, a weekly wage um, and I had a big client base. Um, in hindsight, I should have sold it <laughs> rather than just dropping Slipped that client it. base. But I basically desperately wanted to go full-time with my wedding photography. And I did it in 2015 because my dog walking car broke down. Well, well yeah, there you go. It literally just stopped in the middle of a residential street. <laughs> did, you have a, did you have a dog in the car? I had time? five dogs oh in the car. Oh, my God. And I didn't know what to do because they all live miles apart oh, and my car was no. fucked and I was just like, a, some guy helped me push it into a parking space and then someone came and towed it but I still had to get like these five like dogs home. Oh, <laughs> um, it was just a nightmare and then I like borrowed uh, my partner's mum's car for a while but that was... <laughs> That was a VW Polo. (laughs) Big dogs don't really fit into that. Um, Okay, so it came to an abrupt end. Yeah, and it was like, okay, right, this is push to just get on with it now. Yeah. But it was really scary. So what what, what does that look like? (coughs) Um, Well, it definitely wasn't the right time. (laughs) It was, you know... It's never the right time, It was 2015. I, um, I didn't really have any 
any money to fall back on, didn't have any savings. Um, but I was like, right, I want to put all of this time now into making this work. It was like a kick up the backside mm. from the universe, if we want to use the universe in that way. Um, so I did it and um, it didn't really work. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I was still poor for like two years. I was I was in an abusive relationship, so it was very hard to function mm. um, or thrive in that space. And um, then my relationship came to an end in 2018 and I became homeless. Um, and I lived in a shed at my horse's stables. <laughs> We're going to need another trigger warning, aren't we? Aren't we? Yeah, we're probably going to need another <laughs> trigger warning. Um, and I had no money. And I'm very grateful to my friend, Rachel, during that period of time for letting me live in the in the tea room at the stables. I had no bathroom or, sh- or shower. So I had to go to the leisure centre every day oh, to, yeah. to, to shower. And then the morgue across the road kind of worked out what was going on and offered up their shower. So I was showering in a morgue. I should really write a book. <laughs> Yeah, they were showering, showering in a morgue in the morgue next door because it was easier. My toilet was 150 meters outside, so if it was raining, it was okay. I feel like we should maybe like. Okay, so so you're in this. So I have no money. Less than idyllic situation. Actually, it was a really enjoyable summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I maybe because it's winter at the moment. I'm imagining kind of like. Yeah, when I moved into the caravan over the winter. So basically for a year I lived in the shed and I ran my business from this shed on the Wi-Fi on my phone as well. Oh my God. So yeah, basically it was like, you really need to sort this out, Amy. (laughs) You never want to be in this situation ever again. Um, And I moved into this caravan over the winter. Um, And 2019 was quite a big year. There was quite a lot of trauma. It was when I went into therapy. There was some big stuff that happened. I'm not going to go into it because it's not important to this conversation um but it was like a catalyst Mm. that kind of 18 month period of like right you need to get your shit together Mm. you need to be a business um you can never be in this situation Mm. again you can never be in a situation where you are relying on someone Mm. who treats you badly Mm. to survive Mm. um you have to be self-sufficient and that there's probably no greater motivator than that. Um, I mean, I've talked about this on other podcasts before. It's not necessarily healthy (laughs) as I've kind of gone through this transition in the last three months. But um, I had to start charging appropriately. I had to start marketing properly. I had to build a positive relationship with money. Um, And everything started to come together. I invested in some mentoring. Um, I couldn't afford the mentoring, but I did some mentoring. I paid for some mentoring with Alan Law, which massively changed my my business and the view of my work and how I should be marketing myself and my SEO and things like that. So I will be forever grateful that, you know, I I did that even though I couldn't really afford to, but I really felt like it was the, I I needed those tools. Um, so I'm really happy that I made that investment in myself, but yeah, we, um, yeah, got to like the end, beginning of 2020 and I was like, oh, everything's coming together. Everything's I'm, I'm, I'm living in bricks and mortar. <laughs> I have Wi-Fi. Um, I've got, I've got an office in London, like everything's starting, you know, I've got a fully booked year and then we all know what happened. <laughs> Everything got taken away again. <laughs> 
And um, I just also made an active decision during that period of time to be like, this is not going to win. Like, this is, I am going to make this work. Every time I spoke to you during that period of time, that was the kind of overriding energy I got from you. Yeah. I mean, I at the beginning, like the first couple of weeks, I was like, you know, a mess, as everyone was. Yeah, yeah. And I applied for a job at Tesco's and they told me they didn't have the qualifications. Yeah, I also I was like, got rejected from Tesco. It was a particularly low point for me. I know. Um, I was like, not that there's anything wrong with working at Tesco's. No, but it's no, but like, like, it's the rejection. It was the, um, we don't think you'd be a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why not? <laughs> Is it because I don't have a CB? <laughs> Because I don't want, like, I work for myself. But it was, you know, that was, it was a really positive thing because I had to sit down and get organised with myself. I had to sit down and go through my outgoings and be like, okay, this is going out and this is what I need to bring in in order to pay that. Um, um, But also going through those outgoings and taking control back meant that I could be like, actually, I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need this. Like, there's all those, like, subscriptions we sign up to that mm. we never use. I just got rid of a load of them. Saved myself about £500 just Lucky by out. simply going through my outgoings. And then I realised that, actually, knowledge is power. Like, the more knowledge you have around your money, the more control you have have over it. Like, it's not going to control you. Yeah. And I think so many people it. are controlled by their money or they're controlled by money so they're making poor decisions for themselves because they don't realise that they can have, they have a choice. Um, <coughs> like the exercise that I got you to do is like, Rosie, have you sat down and actually worked out what you need to earn? Which is funny because I used to be so good at this. I used to like, I was always very much like a saver and um, I knew exactly what was coming in every month and, and all this kind of stuff. And COVID just absolutely threw me for a loop. I think it did for a lot of people. Because security that we had was suddenly gone. Yeah. And, and, and it changed. The ballpark changed. The goalposts. Yeah. Um, and, um, but yeah, that, that taking that knowledge back, that power back, mm. then you're like, okay, well, this is what I need to earn. It was quite an empowering thing to do, actually, I think. Like, I did come away being like, oh, like, it felt like, like the end number felt quite daunting. Mm-hmm. But the the kind of I mean I'm very much like this anyway I tend to break things down into the smallest possible steps so like I got um a gig came in for me this week um and I was like right that's that particular item on the list that I don't have to worry about this month and it it just yeah it was so good because you're like okay so say for example that's two thousand pounds per month you can be like and you charge I don't know this is an example five hundred pounds per gig you can then be like, I need four gigs. Yeah. And that's so doable. Like, I think because we don't take that control, we think it's so out of, it's it's much bigger than what it is. Mm. Um, of course, when you get to six figures, everything kind of changes a little bit <laughs> because everything gets much bigger. <laughs> but also, I mean, you've been quite candid about, uh, you, you're at six figures, but it's not six figures of profit. No, it's not. Like, my turnover... So, obviously, it's tax month this mm. month. Just had my tax bill. Um, I just literally said to you this morning that <laughs> I suddenly feel this, like, massive sense of relief. Mm. So, this is my first proper tax bill as a six-figure mm. business owner. And I've been feeling really anxious about it. 
um, even though I have put aside money yeah. every time I'm paid, every time I've paid, been paid, and I will talk about percentages and profit first method, but every time I've been paid by a client, I've put my 11% VAT and my 25% tax away. Mm. That's not mine. Yeah. Like, that goes away. It's very sensible. But I've still been in this, like, sense of, because I was one of those people, like, five years ago, that never had their money for their tax bill, because mm. they didn't put it aside. Because I wasn't thinking about it. Mm. You have to think about it. <laughs> like, you have to be thinking about it consciously and you have to be putting it aside. Um, and I never used to be like this. So I've been quite worried because of that previous experience of the scramble to get my tax money together and having to pay it off in instalments and ring HMRC and feeling like an absolute failure as a business person because I um, didn't, couldn't have the money to pay my tax bill. Um, and... Just ha- this has been my first time, and if there's been that anxiety because of previous experience, and um, yeah, I turned over in the year 2021 to 2022, I turned over 151,000 pounds. My expenses came to 55,000 pounds, uh, because I outsource, um, and um, you know, new equipment, things like that, um. And then, so my, like, I think my pro- my total profit was, like, 87,000. Um, so that's my profit. Um, and my tax bill was, I've got to pay 30,000 by the end of this month. Mm. Um, but I put aside 40. So, yeah, you're... I'm 10k up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, like, feeling really proud of myself. I think you should. For, contro- for having control, yeah. for, for managing my money properly because I have a positive relationship with it. Yeah. And I started doing this when I had no money. Like, you can't just be like, when I have more income, yeah, then I'll start yeah. managing it. No, you have to start managing it now wow. at this point in time because otherwise you're just going to continue in the cycle mm. of poor money management and just finding yourself always in this situation. Um, so with that in mind, I'd quite like to talk about, um, cause we did this on goal setting workshop mm-hmm. last night, which people found beneficial. So I would just like to talk about how I set goals around money and come up with idea. a money goal. Is yeah. that okay? Mm-hmm. That's I, I've done this with you as yes. well. We did it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so what you need to do to determine your money goal is you need to sit down and you need to go through all of your outgoings. Ooh, all of them. Sit with your bank <laughs> statements and note down every single thing that's going out every month. So this would be your bills, your expenses for doing for running your business, um, it'd be your food, your fuel, um, any other responsibilities like children um, that you have to pay out for. It's basically determining what that number is monthly mm. that you need to pay out mm-hmm. in order to live to survive um <clears throat> so we'll say that's this is purely example we'll say that number is two thousand pounds mm-hmm. then this is the fun part because it needs to be fun <laughs> like, <laughs> literally what is the point in having a business if you're not making it fun exactly like you don't you can go and work for someone else and give yourself like a salary every month why would you want to live as a self-employed person if you're not going to be building a life that you want um so then you work out what you want to earn so this is like for all the things that make life enjoyable Mm. so like holidays 
um, dinners out, cinema, spa days, um, <laughs> your monthly massage, um, which personally I feel is a need to earn as a photographer. <laughs> With the amount of equipment we carry. Um, so, yeah, it's all these things that make life pleasurable. Um, and then you kind of, like, cost them for the year and then divide by 12. So then you've got your monthly number. So let's... And also savings. Yeah. Um, so say, like, you want £250 a week for your fun money. Mm. And then you want to save £250 a week. So you're, it's another £2,000 on top of the 2000 that you need to earn. Mm-hmm. So we're at £4,000. Mm-hmm. Then you need to add your tax on top. I need to make this prolifically clear. (laughs) Your money goal is plus tax. Yes, and it has to be that way. Yeah, it has to be that way round. Exactly. So you then have £5,000 a month is what you need to bring in in order to pay your tax, pay your bills, live and do the things that you enjoy doing and save some money. Which is an annual goal of Mm 60000 So we do it from a wedding photographer's perspective because it's just the easiest example. Obviously, this becomes a little bit more complicated when you start going into multiple income streams, Um, like I have, but, you know, you just break it all down. So your annual money goal is £60,000 for a year. Mm -hmm. Then you want to work out how much you want to work. So this is where you take your power back as well because this goal is a boundary. This is saying, I want to do... Purely example, 30 weddings a year, mm-hmm. no more. If I do more than 30 weddings a year, I'm going to make myself burnt out and I'm going to make myself sick. Mm. That 60,000, you then divide by 30. Mm-hmm. And now you know that you How need to be charging yeah. £2,000 per wedding minimum. I'd even say add a £500 buffer. Because in case you don't book... Scary. I know. Scary, right? Scary. Um, but I'm also going to go on to another little thing in a minute. <laughs> um, so now you know that you need to be charging between two to two and a half thousand per wedding. And I would say to be at like the upper limit. And I'd also say to stretch. I always stretch my goals. Always stretch my goals. Um, because I'm more likely to hit the goal that I mm. wanted if I stretch. Mm. Um, and this is where the positive relationship with money comes in. Because you haven't attached your self-worth to the result. <laughs> yeah yeah um so you can play with it a little bit more um so yeah now you know you need to be charging two and a half thousand pounds per wedding um and then you can look at other ways at how you can supplement that as well perhaps it's selling albums prints doing some mentoring education merchandise ebooks like yeah, whatever really other things other ways you can supplement that income so that if you don't make that 30 you've still got other mm. ways of making it um, and then you know how much you, you're going to work. You've mm. set a boundary, which is what we talked about previous episode. Mm-hmm. You know that 30 is your sweet spot and you know how much you're going to charge for those because you've done your numbers. And that means that you're not going to get to December and have no money. Mm. You're not going to get to January and have no money because you have done the numbers and you know where that money is going. You know how it's being used. Because this is the problem as well. If you don't know how the money's going to be used... Then you have no incentive to earn it. Yeah, exactly. And this is what's happened to me over the last 12 months. So I've become a little bit like where there's that trauma of being homeless. Yeah. I've still been operating from a place of scarcity. So there's been that panic. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose everything. So I need to say yes to as much as possible. Mm. Um, And that's why I became burnt out at the end of last year. Well, this year I'm very clear on... We've learnt from burnout. We've learnt 
that how how much I want to work per month and how much I'm going to charge for that. Mm. And this is just really, really important. And also every single person's circumstances are going to be different. Yeah. Like, if you have children and you have a partner, but you still want to turn over, say, 50,000, but you only want to do 10 weddings, so you're going to charge £5,000 per wedding. Ooh, that's a big number. That's a big number. But there, you know, there's people there out there charging five thousand pounds per wedding. Um, but then now you know the work you need to do to get there. Yeah. You need to build a higher end brand. You need to do X amount of marketing. You need to build relationships with these people. So taking control of this and having a positive relationship with it is literally giving you a structure on how to run your business. Um, and yeah, the, 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 you know, I would really just recommend that once you take that back of that control, the other kind of key thing is letting go of the end result. Which seems counterintuitive. It does, but otherwise, you want to remind yourself of it. Like, I have my goals up on my wall. I journal about them every single day. Like, I, they are at the forefront of my mind. But it doesn't but mean it, that if you... It, it doesn't mean that if you don't hit them that you're, like, a bad person. Yeah, like, I don't like, hit my goals every month. Failure or whatever. I shared my... So I use the Lucky Bitch app to track. So do I. I love tracking. I love <laughs> tracking. And I love that app because you set the money goal for the month yeah. and then you, like, put... Whenever you, you get it, paid. You it, yeah. And then when you hit the goal, you get, like, a big round of applause. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I've shared my data from that app on my Instagram and sometimes I don't hit. Mm. And sometimes I go far past the goal. Mm. Like, there's been months where I set it to, like... Fifteen thousand pounds, and I hit twenty. Oh my god! Um, so you know, and there's been other months where I set it at fifteen thousand pounds, and I, I hit five. <laughs> I'd be so happy with five right now. Oh, I know, but you're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Gonna you are gonna get there because get there. you you now know what you need to do to get there, and you know what it is that you're aiming for. Mm. Join us this April for Snap Twenty Three the photography festival you've been looking for to help you learn, grow and develop your business in a setting that is strictly informal. Nestled in the Peak District over four days, you'll be learning from amazing speakers and join your fellow photographers in taking part in workshops, styled shoots and photo walks before settling in for campfire chats and board games in the evening. Want to find out more? Visit snapphotofestival.com. And so many people shy away from this because... Yes, it, I mean, it does feel better now. I've got, like, a, a tangible figure in my head. Um, it, because also, like, there's a there's a cap on how much effort I have to put in mm-hmm. rather than it all being endless. Yeah. Or limitless, or whichever way you want to round it, I don't know. But I it's a boundary. Kind of, yeah, it's a boundary. And I think it's also really important to be aware that then when you're quoting for jobs I do find this difficult sticking to things yeah because, but, but when you know that that is what you need to charge in order to operate as a sustainable business gives you permission yeah to stand your ground and I want to talk about pricing particularly with creatives because so many people undercharge for their time um and again, this is why that exercise is good, because mm. it makes you realise, oh, fuck, like, yeah. I need to be charging this. Um, because so many people are undercharging because they're attaching their self-worth mm. to that number. Have, like, we've talked about this before, but, you know, you don't know how much your clients would have paid for you. 
could have been a lot more. I know that I've yeah. done weddings in the past and found out that the videographer was 10 grand and I charged like two. And I was like, and I'm at this wedding, I'm going, I should have charged more. For- I've like, definitely I- done weddings and, and events before where I've turned up and been like, I should have charged way more for this. <laughs> like, look at those canapes. Like, I think we cost less than yeah. we could have. Like, yeah. It's so wrong of you to assume what your client mm. can and can't afford. Like, that's not your business. Mm. Um, so I just don't get upset when people tell me that I'm not within their budget because I know that my pricing is appropriate for what I need need to earn. It's my business and this is what I need to charge. And I give that value as well. Mm. Like, you know, if you are going to charge more, you know, you do want to give more value, not more value, but you want to make sure that your business is operating at that standard. Yeah. Um... The other thing I want to touch on with pricing is particularly just just for wedding photographers because this is something I have been talking about in personal conversations for a few weeks Um, and it is a truth and I haven't seen anyone else discussing it. When I started as a wedding photographer 12 years ago, um, it was a really hard job to get into. It was still like relatively early days of Mm. the digital kind of revolution. Wedding photography was going through this big shift um, you know, documentary wedding photography was only just becoming a thing. Um, the cameras were a lot harder to <laughs> to use and to learn. Um, there wasn't any education. There wasn't YouTube videos. There wasn't presets. There was none of these things that we have now. It has never been easier to become a wedding photographer or even even any other form of photographer. Like the mirrorless camera system style. <laughs> Like, a month and, you know, you, you, you will be comfortable with using that camera. Um, yeah, you probably want a bit, probably longer to define your style. But as I said, there's never been more inspiration or creativity or workshops or learning platforms in order to get that done as quickly as possible. Mm. Like, I've seen some people over the last year who started and now their work is fucking amazing in the space of a year. And they're not charging enough. They're still charging, you know, under a thousand pounds. Also, I think, like, I definitely, this definitely happens a lot um, with musicians. But um, I think the more people collectively charge, Mm -hmm. it brings your community up. Yes, exactly. It means that we don't have, we as a community, as an industry, don't have to accept yeah, lower it, wages. Our clients don't tell us what our time is worth. Yeah, we do. We tell them. We decide what that is. And ultimately, we're luxury items. Yeah. Um, you know, it, people who... Yeah, sure, everyone should have nice photos of their wedding. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. But ultimately, a wedding is a luxury. Mm. Like... It's not all right. No, the only necessity necessary part of a wedding is the town hall part and you can go and do that for less than 200 pounds like if you want to get if you want to get married if the marriage is the most important part to you you and you haven't got any money you're just going to get married and maybe go have a nice meal with your friends and family there's nothing wrong with that um but a wedding a wedding on a whole is a luxury item Mm. 
Um, so we are providers of, of, of luxury. We are not a necessity under any circumstances whatsoever. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> um, we are nice to have. Um, <laughs> um, and Speak for yourself, Amy. I'm a necessity. <laughs> I like being a nice to have. I like being a luxury item. <laughs> yeah, I like being a luxury item. <laughs> um, so it's just really important to remember that. And also you know, your value isn't based on how long you've been doing something. Mm. If you're doing a good job and you're providing value and you're providing a great experience for your clients and you're producing good work, you should be charging appropriately. Um, And that is based on those numbers. Because how are you ever going to go full time? Like, this is the other thing as well, when people are like, oh, I have a job. And it's like, so? Why does that mean you should be charging less for something? Like... You should be charging what you need to charge and want to charge in order to have the life that you want. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would actually rather get a side job that supplements my income if my booking suddenly dropped than drop my prices. Ooh. Which is why I also have multiple income streams. Mm, yeah. Because that's what—that's effectively what multiple income streams are. It's another yeah, job. It's, other jobs, yeah. <laughs> it's just that I've created them rather than working for someone else. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, this is just how I view it, and I think I'm quite looking forward to doing this exercise now. I think this is the next thing that I need to do. What? Which one? The like deciding how many I want, how many gigs I want, and then like what I personally need to earn. Yeah. Out of all of them, I haven't done it. I don't think I've done it yet. Um, that needs to be the next thing that I do. Because because then you know you what you need to market for, and then you can start forecasting. Mm. So many people don't forecast. Like I know that. So talk us through. So forecasting, forecasting is when you're looking ahead and you're already looking at what you've got booked in and how much money that's bringing in. So yeah. I know that so far this year I've got forty thousand pounds coming in. Right. So I know I need to bring in another hundred. Because um, <laughs> and the fear in her eyes is real. <laughs> I'm uh, my money goal for this year is 140,000 and that's a bit of a stretch what I need to earn is at like 120 mm-hmm. and I've been limiting myself a little bit because I've been I'm still you know my mindset's not perfect mm. at all like there's still that oh I can only be a photographer I've been really battling with the stepping into educator coach role even though I know I'm good at it I get really good feedback when I do it but there's something icky about it that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure yet. But I'm getting there slowly. So, you know, I have been thinking, what about seven figures? Um, Fucking hell. You know, how, what would that look like? How would I get there? Um, and it scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Because um, it's a lot of tax. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you go first. It's scary because of what it's I'm a lot of tax, and it's also something I can't do on my own. Yeah, I think yeah. I have to have people a team in my team. And last year was a big learning curve because it was the first year that we properly worked together, mm. which I haven't done. Um, and it was also the first time that I worked like full full time with an editor, and um, you know, onboarding these people and bringing them into their business. I, my business, I feel a big responsibility towards them. Um, so that's scary, but you know, you can't do six figures on your own, unfortunately. Um, and you know, that's a decision that you need to make. And unfortunately, the way the system works in the UK with VAT and stuff like that, you know, you 
that should be part of your goal setting process do i want to go over the bat threshold what will that look like um and um you know getting as much information and knowledge about that as possible because uh, it was a bit of a shock for me um <laughs> yeah i'm not yeah i'm very much kind of like let, let uh, not um not like s- keeping it small but like keeping it comfortable yeah because it is uncomfortable like it's you know i pay out every three months pay about five thousand pounds in vat and then my tax bill is thirty thousand at where i'm at now so that's fifty thousand pounds a year that's good that's a big number big chunk that is a terrifying number um so it's taken me a while to get and actually it's this experience with my tax bill this month has, mm. has really helped me because I was I've been talking with my accountant about scaling back. How do I get back under the mm. back threshold? And then like literally this week, I've just been like, no, mm. no. Let's get to seven. Yeah, um, the turnaround. Yeah, I'm like, what would that look like? And you know, how can I do that? And then it's like, well, that's quite exciting. So I think it's just that constant work and engagement with money. And gaining knowledge. What's kind of, uh, I mean, I know um, for me, how, like, kind of um, dealing with maybe negative attitudes toward, that I have towards money, mm. kind of um, looking at where they came from. Yeah. And whether they're things that um, I think, or whether they're things I've taken on from other influential yeah. people. So, like, I know in in my life, my dad is a big um, kind of where where my uh, views on money, my beliefs around money, very much come from my dad. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling him that um, I wanted to earn. I can't remember how much it was. Um, well, whatever the figure was, um, and he told me I was getting above my station, and to remember that we were working class. Yeah, this is a big thing for people. I grew up in a single parent household where money was an issue. But then on the other hand, I had my dad, who at one point was a millionaire. And it was a really contrasting story. So I, it is important to go back and find out where your relationship with money first started. So, so for me, it was like, we were a poor household. Or not poor, we were okay. But like, it wasn't luxurious. Mm. I remember like costing up how much it would have to have a horse for my mum so she'd get me a horse. Wow, you're doing this at a young age. Yeah, um, and you know, we couldn't afford a horse. I have a horse now. Um, <laughs> um, and um, I just remember doing this and not understanding why I couldn't have a horse. Um, but it's because, you know, my mum was a single parent. She was on a, she wasn't, she, she, she had a job and she worked really hard to, um, you know, build her life as a single parent. I'm really proud of her for that, but our household wasn't luxurious. But then we had the other side, but it was a happy household. Mm. Like, not all the time, mm. but it was the safe space and she worked really hard to create that. While my dad, on the other hand, who was a bit of a con artist and an asshole, and, but he had lots of money, but it wasn't a happy space to being so in my head i was yeah yeah, i built this picture of like poor is happy rich yeah like this yeah if i'm rich then i've got to be an asshole yeah um 
and that I just feel really held me back and also my prior relationship he had a real issue if I earned more than him he would feel really uncomfortable he did he put a lot of effort into wanting to hold me back because it felt like a personal attack on him mm-hmm. and even now with dating when I tell you know because it's a conversation um and I come up against you know suddenly they're interested in them or not <laughs> it was a bit threatening <laughs> she's self-sufficient <laughs> um so you know that does happen from time to time um and I think that's an issue for a lot of women which again this is why I talk about this yeah. and you know we had a message after doing a workshop last night from someone saying how amazing it was to see a woman mm. running a business at six figures and I think it's really important to have those examples and mm. to talk about them because if you say if you see it you can be it yeah if you see it then you can be it and fucking hell if I could do it <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you are quite as, inspiring. Can I say that? Like, oh, thank you, know, you. Like I know that you, you know, you talk about how it ne- didn't necessarily happen in the healthiest way and stuff, but it is. It's kind of it's given me a lot of um, faith at the moment that like I can turn my situation around and stuff. That makes me really happy. Aww. I'm glad because it's such like a. I really feel uncomfortable sometimes where people might think I'm gloating or but that's not why you're doing it though no i don't think it ever comes across as like you never you don't put other people down yeah by saying how much you earn you're trying to build others up and And i spent 10 years learning lessons and building something and it took 10 years to get to here and no one else was talking yeah you've got those business coaches who are like earn six figures in six months and like that's not necessarily realistic for most people um and I wanted to talk about this because I came up against a lot of struggles that no one else was talking about like fat tax what happens like outsourcing like even like getting an accountant yeah oh my god getting an accountant Jesus fucking Christ that was so traumatic (laughs) My accountant is amazing. He sent me a message this morning. <laughs> he sent me a message saying, Hi, Amy. All submitted. Don't forget to pay it. Speak soon. <laughs> like, this man has no faith in me. <laughs> and then because the onboarding process was so stressful. <laughs> it was so stressful. If you want to know how bad oh, I was, God. this is how I used to do my oh, tax return. Dear. I used to print off my bank statements and sit there with a pink highlighter pen for incoming and a green highlighter pen for expenses and then add up the numbers and that's how I did my self-assessment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Spreadsheets? No. Yes. Yeah, no, no spreadsheets. spreadsheets for me. And, and when I had to be onboarded with my accountant... <laughs> I'm <laughs> just imagining what that looked like. You turning up with like a a bind a ring binder. There was no <laughs> ring binder. <laughs> there was no, no, no ring binder. <laughs> Basically, he was like, right, we need to do. Um, and this was summer 2021, <laughs> so it was like everything had just opened up. I was doing. I did like 19 weddings in August. I was going fat registered oh, at the same time. Girl. 
and and he basically wanted me to put all of my bank statements and turn them into spreadsheets and then go through and like highlight and I couldn't I can't use excel to save my life and I was at my mum's and I was trying to do this and it was all jumbled up and I couldn't fix it (laughs) and I started crying and I was like clutching my computer (laughs) in fury and frustration and my mum was like just send them all to me I'm gonna do them for you (laughs) and it took weeks it took weeks and weeks and weeks and now it's all organized so now I'm on zero I every three months we do my back return and I have to reconcile everything and send all my invoices to my accountant and it's really straightforward and there's a system in place now but the onboarding fuck my life never want to do that again so actually number one advice (laughs) get an accountant now get systems in place (laughs) don't do what I did um and you know this is also one of the challenges of autism yeah like it's a part of that and you know it's hard for me to onboard people into my business it's hard for me to involve other people because of my core going back to those limiting beliefs I'm not enough Mm. can't work with these people they're gonna hate working with me Mm. i'm gonna be difficult to work for Mm. um which i can be difficult to work for sometimes but in a good way i kind of feel like i you balance out i balance balance out (laughs) i know when i'm wrong (laughs) but yeah it it, is scary to build and to scale and you know there's lots of barriers that you come up against especially as a woman especially as a marginalized person um and you know, if you haven't listened to the Limiting Beliefs episode, go and listen to that one first, and then come back to this. Although you've probably now already listened to all of this. Um, <laughs> listen. Finish this episode, then yeah. go back and listen to Limiting Beliefs. But it's not out of reach for anyone. I mean, come on. If, look, at, look at some of the people who have all the money in the world. Like, they're, they're not necessarily the most skilled people. Um, We're going to do it. <clears throat> you're gonna do it I'm gonna do it you are gonna, gonna do it you've got so many ideas I'm gonna do it you just need to execute yeah and this is where the positive framework comes in <sighs> mindset first then execution um and the first thing you deal with is your relationship with money um and I think that's probably a good place to end yeah I think so yeah because I could talk about this all day <laughs> and frequently does <laughs> Just to put that out there. Um, We will see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Oh Snap. Like, follow and subscribe to keep yourself up to date with episodes. And if you're feeling extra, share this episode with someone who might find it useful.